This is our number two of the Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to be along with you on 98.9 in Columbus, 94.5 in Dayton. If uh, Trump air is on schedule, uh, the former president is now on his way to New York City, where he will land today, spend tonight at Trump Tower, and tomorrow surrender to authorities for his um, indictment, uh, which is a clear political persecution. Uh, It is an attempt to uh, elevate Trump in the primaries at the exclusion of other candidates. Um, It's a bad, bad, bad development for our country because it will no doubt usher in the persecution of other candidates or the prosecution of other candidates. Maybe it's persecution, as it is in this case. Maybe it's justified, like it will be with Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton or James Clapper or any of the other Democrats who've lied to Congress or broken laws like forge signatures on FISA warrants. And you got it coming. You started it. Democrats started this with the uh, nuclear option on judicial nominees. Came back to haunt them with Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett getting on the Supreme Court with less than the 60 votes it used to take until Harry Reid blew that up as the majority leader in the Senate. Uh, But those were the days when I felt like um, God would deliver the country because we hadn't yet gone down the road that I think is just exceedingly increasingly evil. And I'm not sure now that we'll be bailed out by the weight of our collective bad decisions and demonic ideologies embraced by the Democratic Party and by their increasing loyalists under the hideous LGBTQIA flag. And it is crushing national conversation. Here's a story from the Center Square. And this is this is not good for our nation. We have always been a nation where we had free and open debate, where you would remember disagree with what you say, but defend with my life your right to say it? Is that true now? (laughs) No way. Nearly six of every ten voters say they are staying quiet about certain issues in order to keep the peace and avoid conflict. This according to a new morning consult poll. 59% of respondents insist they are taking steps on hot-button issues like sexual orientation and gender identity, political campaigns, and abortion. Here's a uh, strategist with the State Policy Network that commissioned this poll. We've gone through a period where debate on difficult topics has gotten very ugly. It's common to see people compare relatively minor disagreements on policy to instances of slavery or genocide. Yeah, right. It is. Every disagreement now is, at least figuratively, and I'm afraid in some cases, literally, a hill to die on. The quote continues, most aren't interested in having those types of discussions, and for most people, politics isn't the focus of their life. It's easier to just stay quiet than deal with any potential fallout. And this is what they want, by the way, on the left. They want you to stay silent. Remember the Stanford hubbub over the federal judge who came and the DEI administrator who gave the speech purportedly to defend the judge's right to speak, but the DEI administrator kept saying, is the juice worth the squeeze? Is the juice worth the squeeze? As deranged, moronic law students with no understanding of the First Amendment of the United States Constitution and its accompanying right to free speech and open debate 
as the lawsuits continued to boo and jeer and shout down the federal judge. What was this professor saying when she said, is the juice worth the squeeze? Well, she was speaking, in theory, to defend the judge's right to get up and state his views on the law. But as one of the protesters yelled, your mere presence here is proof of your racism. No one's mere presence anywhere is proof of their racism. They actually have to open their mouth and say something racist in order for you to have proof of their racism. Their presence is not proof of their racism unless they're at a KKK rally. Okay? (laughs) So what she meant, though, when she said, is the juice worth the squeeze, is... She was extolling the virtues of what is known as the heckler's veto. The heckler's veto is if I protest loud enough and long enough, vociferously and perhaps violently enough, then I can silence the person who is going to say something I don't like hearing and don't want them to say. And why do people often not want to hear what a person has to say is because they don't want anyone else to be persuaded by it. The heckler's veto is not American. It is anti-American. It is anti-free speech. But this DEI, inclusion person, this DEI, and the I stands for inclusion. Everybody's included, right? Well, everybody except the people I don't want to hear from. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to hear from you because you might make a, you might make a point that somebody in this room might go, hey, you know what? He's got a good point there. The U.S. Constitution allows for free speech. Maybe we should let this guy speak. Oh, no, we can't have that otherwise. Then my viewpoint would not be the dominant viewpoint. And that is why this poll from the center square is very dangerous. When 60% of the people say, I just don't even say it anymore. What that means is that eventually that number will be 65% and then 70 and then 80 and 85, right? It will because you think that. Staying quiet allows you to avoid the escalating creep of wrong think gaining traction in America. It does not. It does not. You're going to experience the consequences of your silence. The inevitability of it is certain by the fact that, do you think 10 years ago people would have said, Oh, no, I just, I don't engage in it. Like, I'm pro-life, but I don't dare tell anybody I'm pro-life. Who do you think that serves? Do you think that serves the pro-life movement, or do you think that serves the pro-abortion movement? Because you know if you don't speak up, people go, see, nobody nobody shows up, nobody, nobody even votes, nobody says anything bad about abortion. So people must be for it, right? No, you have to stand up. And that's why I've said before. You have to not go along with things that are not true. If you go along and you put the rainbow on your email signature and you put your pronouns in, even though you think it's stupid, which it is, then you are, you're not avoiding consequences because the truth is you experience the consequences every time you think about it and every time you look in the mirror and you know that you are a sellout and you know that you are greasing the path for error to dominate and win in matters of great consequence. If not to you, then certainly to the world you're going to give to your kids and to your grandkids to grow up in. This is a defining moment. 
And you don't get to sit it out. See, that'd be great if, ah, just go sit on the sidelines and watch. No, no. You don't get to sit on the sidelines and watch. This is a battle where everyone's involved. Everyone's involved. And you're either fighting for what's right or you are on the wrong side. You might be silently on the wrong side, but you're on the wrong side nevertheless. More from this poll. The organizer of the poll said she is not surprised that researchers found that when voters do speak out, less than one of every four insists they aren't lying about their true feelings. So in other words, when people speak out, they often lie. So you got 60% that are silent, the 40% that are talking, 20% of them are lying. They're saying what they don't believe just in order to avoid being persecuted. Topping the list, voters say they make every effort to steer clear of. See if these issues aren't the ones that are most consequential to our future. Sexual orientation and gender identity. That's number one at 34%. Political campaigns and abortion, both at 32%. So what you're going to get, if you stay silent on this, is you're going to get more transgender ideology, more woke books in schools, elementary schools. And I've told you before, the reason why they want these books in elementary schools is because they already got this ideology affirmed in colleges. They're not fighting that fight. That battle's won, man. They won the college battle. Now let's move it to the high schools and to the junior highs and to the elementary schools. Let's take them all at once. That's why they're trying to get these books into public schools, because they've already won at the college level. Abortion? Man, I'm just going to say, if you are not a pro-life person, you are going to answer for that someday because we are all going to answer for what we did to protect the weakest and the least among us. So these are consequential things, and I know that it's not fun. I know that it's hard. But what will make it easier is if you crystallize in your mind, this is what I believe. And, and this is why I believe it. If you know why you stand, where you stand, it is much more comfortable to stand there and to not just stand there, but to be deeply rooted in. And you are rooted in and immobile if you are rooted to the truth. All right, the Trump motorcade is on its way to uh, the airport in uh, Florida. Secret Service accompanying him. That's a little weird, right? They're going to fingerprint Donald Trump tomorrow. Where did the Secret Service guys go? Because they're supposed to be with him all the time, 24-7, protecting him. (laughs) This this is just such a weird, weird, weird circumstance. Uh, I do know that Trump can run for president, even if he's found guilty of a felony. That does not preclude you from running for president. Tomorrow they will unseal the indictment. We'll see what the 30-plus charges are presumed to be against Donald Trump. Uh, Alvin Bragg, the DA, uh, clearly doing the political bidding of um, those in his party who have obsessed about Donald Trump from the minute he announced that he was running for president in 2016. This is the game that Democrats play. They play dirty. They fight dirty. Not just in New York. It's not limited to New York. Here's a story out of Illinois. You have heard, maybe... The name J.B. Pritzker, 
J.B. Pritzker is the governor of Illinois. Now, there's a whole shady backstory on how J.D. Pritzker, Pritzker became the governor of Illinois. Remember Rod Blagojevich, the governor of Illinois, who was like impeached because of illegal activities? J.B. Pritzker's hands were all over those same activities, but like Pontius Pilate, he washed his hands clear of it, and he ended up governor. How about that? Well, now, because he's governor of a hellhole of a state, J.B. Pritzker wants to do what all Democrats want to do. They want to take your guns away from you if you're a law-abiding citizen in the state of Illinois. So J.B. Pritzker signed a ban on more than 170 semi-automatic firearms and magazines on January the 10th. Now, even though you can't swing a dead cat in Chicago without hitting a Democrat, there were enough Republicans in the state, Second Amendment proponents, who filed lawsuits at the federal and state level challenging J.B. Pritzker on a little thing known as suspending the constitutional rights of those people. Because, of course, the Second Amendment entitles you to keep and bear arms. Well, when the cases went to court, shockingly, they were... J.B. Pritzker's ban were ruled unconstitutional. So J.B. Pritzker does what any Democrat would do. He tries to call in political favors that people owe him. And so he appealed his bans to the state Supreme Court. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. The Illinois State Supreme Court has two justices on it who were elected in November of 2022. Their names are Mary O'Brien and Elizabeth Rockford. And they were elected in November of 2022 with political contributions of $1 million each from, can you guess who? That's right, Governor J.B. Pritzker. He gave a million dollars to each candidate for the state Supreme Court. They won their election. Now they sit on the very court to which J.B. Pritzker is appealing the lower court overthrow of his gun and ammunition ban. Oh, by the way, those two state Supreme Court justices also received six-figure donations from Illinois House Speaker Chris Welch, who is also a Democrat, as if you needed that blank filled in for you. This is the way that Democrats play the game. They feather the nest, and then they call in those favors later. Now, with Trump, he will be indicted tomorrow, booked tomorrow. Will he be handcuffed tomorrow? He will have a mugshot. That will... I'm sure, be released by the Trump people, if not by the Alvin Bragg people. Uh, But what are the long-term political ramifications of this? I think there's a viewpoint at present that this elevates Trump so much in the primary that it's foolhardy for any other candidate to even get in. We were presuming that Ron DeSantis would get in, that Tim Scott would get in, that Mike Pompeo would get in. And it does put these candidates in a ticklish situation in that I don't think you want to be on a debate stage saying bad things about Donald Trump when a large portion of the Republican electorate is mad 
about Donald Trump being the victim, the target of a political persecution. That would be looked upon as you're beating up on somebody who is already being beaten up on by Democrats. Is it possible to campaign for yourself without saying anything bad about your opponent, your opponent who is the front runner in the race, which Donald Trump is exceedingly the front runner in the race? Is it possible to gain traction and win if you don't ever say anything bad about the person at the top of the heap? I suppose it is possible, but I don't think it's very likely. So there are those who say, what's the point of getting in? You might as well just not get in. You might as well, as they say, keep your powder dry until 2028. Uh, That presumes that we will still have a country worth saving in 2028 if we allow Joe Biden to be president for four more years, which the Democrats, of course, would love. Uh, Mark Thiessen of the Washington Post points out that all the things that you hear from Democrats about Donald Trump and about Republicans are, in fact, the things that Democrats do as a matter of routine. You know, the funny thing is the left always says that Trump is destroying our democratic institution. No, the left is destroying our democratic institutions by going after Donald Trump. This is destroying our justice system. This is undermining the credibility of our justice system. The left says, oh, the Supreme Court has been politicized. Good Lord, you, you, have, you have a former president being indicted on the weakest charges you, you could possibly bring against him uh, for, uh, in, in this case. And it's, it's a politicized prosecution. And they're the ones destroying our institutions. And so there's going to be a rally around effect on the right of people who say we don't want this to happen. It should be a rally around on the left, too, for people who don't want to destroy our institutions. Yeah, well, that would presume that there's anybody on the left who prizes the Constitution and sees the wisdom in it. Oh, there really isn't anyone like that, although Joe Manchin tries to uh, fake it from time to time. It's just a very, very sad day for America. Very sad day, especially when people are maybe believing that it's the rule of law or justice is not working the way it's supposed to and it's biased. We can't have that. But on the other hand, no one's above the law, but no one should be targeted by the law. Joe Manchin doing his best to tap dance around the Trump issue so as not to offend voters in his state who voted for Trump by a margin of plus 40. Good luck with that, Joe Manchin. So I do think this is one of those circumstances that we can't fully predict the outcome until it happens. It's going to unfold before our eyes in real times. And the drama is starting now with with Trump on the way to the airport to fly to New York.